Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Impressive. Well, we've been talking about unity. Um, we've been in the book of Ephesians, and um, you know, we really got started with the beginning of all unity in our relationships and all unity in our life, and we spent some time there, and and uh, that really all got back to our personal unity with Jesus. Are we connected to him? Are we in tune with who he is, his very nature, his word, his character, all those things? And then we got into the unity of the body, in the body of Christ. You know, the, the next thing that's so important, the unity in the body. And that's big C and little c church. And we talked about, we've been in that for a little while. We've, we kind of got stuck in this Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 um, for the last really four weeks and uh, I hope that's been okay, but I felt like we needed to kind of do a deep dive into the fivefold ministry gifts, and that's what we've been doing. And we'll finish that up today. But uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, I've been reading it. I've been reading it to y'all, and you've been hearing it, and I've been reading it again and reading it again, but I'm going to do it again today. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. And let's, let's uh, go ahead and show that, that analogy, that hand analogy, if you would. So this is a great way to remember the five-fold ministry leadership gifts within the church. You got the apostle, which is the thumb. That's the strong one. You got the pointer finger, which is um, really uh, the, the prophet, you know, laying it down, right? You got the, the tall man who's the evangelist because they stand out. And you have the pastor, which is the ring finger, um, because he loves the congregation, he loves the people. Uh, and then you have the teacher, because it's the only one you can fit in your ear and hear. Are you with me today? So you've seen that before, but that's just a good reminder. But I, I, keep it up there for just a second. I, I want you to understand, we are looking at these gifts as gifts. Well, there's a, there's a monumental statement, right? Let's look at these ministry gifts as gifts and not as positions, held in a church. Because sometimes I think we, we especially with the, the, the pastor and with the evangelist or even the teacher, we think of those as jobs to be had or positions to be held rather than the giftings that are within God's people to, to basically framework the church. And it's important because it causes confusion if, if you don't understand that. So we're looking at these as giftings, not as positions or job titles. And I'm, again, we're gonna finish up today and we're gonna get into the first, the, the last two, and the first one being pastors. Everybody say pastors. So the word pastor is taken from the original Greek word poimen. Poimen. Poimen literally means shepherd. So the most basic definition of the word pastor is shepherd. And I'm not talking about pastors holding a position in a church. I'm talking about pastors a gifting. Because, and I'm going to say this a couple times so you get it. You might be someone who has pastoral ministry leadership gifts that need to be used. I might have pastoral ministry gifts, and I might have other gifts as well. But here's the deal. I'm not a past, I mean, in that sense, in this sense, in Ephesians 4.11, pastor is not my job title, right? It's a gifting thing. Are you with me? Gifting. So, Poimen is the word that we translate, the Greek word we translate into pastor. Now, I, want, I just want to, I did some studying on this this week, and, and this is the only time 
in the King James Version of the Bible, in Ephesians 4.11, that poimen, the original Greek word, is translated into the word pastor. Every other time it's translated as shepherd. It's interesting. It's also the only time that it's not referring specifically to Jesus. Every other time it talks about shepherds or a shepherd, it's referring directly or indirectly to Jesus himself as the good shepherd. And this is to say that Jesus Christ is our pastor, right? He is our shepherd. And although it's common practice to call those who are in charge of the church pastor, truly, and truly they are by all means, under shepherds of the good shepherd. So it's not improper to call the position that I hold pastor. That's not improper. It just has to be understood that there is a good shepherd, the good shepherd. He is the only good shepherd. And I am an under shepherd of him in my position and role and even in my giftings. Okay, don't want to get this all mixed up. If we think in terms of giftings, then there are those who have pastoral giftings who are not employed as pastors, I already said that, and there are those with these giftings who are employed as pastors. And that might be because they have a lot of those or because maybe they have other gifts that play into what that local body specifically needs in the moment. A shepherd, now this is kind of interesting, in this part of the world at that time was understood to mean the person responsible for watching out for enemies trying to attack the sheep and defending the sheep from those attackers. They were involved in healing the wounded and sick sheep, as well as finding and rescuing lost or trapped sheep. Shepherds in that time and in that place of the world, it was, they were also understood that, that they were men who loved their sheep. They loved them. A shepherd knew his sheep and they knew him. He shared his life with them. They literally spent more time with the sheep than they did their own families sometimes. And ultimately, earning their complete trust, the sheep's trust. And Jesus does this as our good shepherd. He is our good shepherd. In very much the same way, those gifted with pastoral ministry leadership gifts have a special God-given anointing to oversee and care for the spiritual needs of a local congregation. They are devoted to other members of the body of Christ in a way that goes further and deeper than most. This is the gifting of pastor. And although there is a position of authority in the local church that we often call pastor, the pastor should never take the position of the good shepherd over the people. That's not his job. It's not his place. There's only one good shepherd. That's why we have governing leaders in place to provide accountability to that position as well as the whole congregation. These leaders are called elders, overseers, bishops, and presbyters in the New Testament, and these terms are used interchangeably throughout. They are positions of leadership, not giftings. Those are. And the way we often see the pastoral position is the way Scripture uses these terms. And as a position, a pastor can be lumped right in with these positions. Pastoral positions are often just the way we described the full-time leader. But as ministry leadership gifts, pastor is different. Elders, overseers, bishops, and presbyters can and probably should have some pastoral ministry giftings. Pastors should have some pastoral giftings, amen? They should. So let me use this church as a little bit of an example. This local body of believers became large enough and viable enough back in the late 40s. And the Zimmerman family started this church. And after, after just several months, they were able to get 
I think actually after one week, they were able to get a pastor. And then after several, I believe it's weeks, months, they were able to employ that pastor. I don't know if it got to be full-time right away, but they eventually, in the late 40s, were big enough, viable enough to warrant having a full-time position for someone to lead the church. In this church, we have always called that position pastor, and since the official beginnings of this church, we have had a board, sometimes three members, sometimes five, or even seven members with our, within our history that acted as overseers. We have chosen to refer to them as elders. This is why it's so important to have a church board, by the way, because a pastor, if he is taking that position of ultimate authority over a church, is not good, because Jesus is the ultimate authority over a church. Board members, elders, we call them elders in this church, or overseers, or, or um, uh, bishops, or presbyters, as some churches call them, they are, along with the pastor, leading the congregation. And there's accountability, there's a group. Because how many know I'm human? So we're like, yeah, we know. Yeah, I'm human. I make mistakes, just like you all do. And so with that accountability of other leadership positions, my position as pastor there's built-in accountability. But again, we're talking about the gifting, not the position. Now, talking about pastors of gifting, as I believe Ephesians 11, 4, 11 says, or does, we need to take it back to that Greek word poimen, or shepherd. Those who are gifted with pastoral giftings are gifts from God. They're, that gifting, if they have it, they are to take on the responsibility for watching out for enemies, trying to attack the sheep or people, and then defending the people from those attackers. They should be involved in healing the wounded and sick sheep or people, as well as finding and rescuing lost or those who are trapped. They need to love the people and know them, sharing their life with them until the people know them. And they know the people, ultimately earning their trust. This is pastoral giftings. You may have pastoral giftings. Turn to your neighbor and say, maybe I do. <laughs> you may have pastoral giftings that you don't even know about. But here's the thing, we don't talk about it because to say that, we think in our head, well, that means I'll be a pastor. That'll be my job. It's not, no, that's not true. In this reference to scripture, in the area of giftedness, pastoral giftings, you could have pastoral giftings. I'm gonna say something that's very, I'm just being transparent, you may say, well, we should have them as pastor and not you. There are people in this church who have more pastoral giftings than I do. Oh, are they a better preacher? That's not what I said. Pastoral giftings, they care for the sheep. They might be a better preacher, teacher. I don't know, we'll get to that in a minute. Understand, there are people in this church who care for the flock that aren't in any kind of position. And if you have pastoral giftings, you should be one of those people. You should be being used in that. And if you're not used in that, you're gonna be frustrated. You wanna know why there's so much disunity in the church? Because people aren't allowed to work and flow in their giftedness, that's one of the biggest reasons. So unity doesn't exist. They can, doesn't exist sometimes, or it's hard to find because they're so busy being angry about what they can't do, or angry at the, what they think the person should, who they think should be doing it, is doing, and they don't look in the mirror and say, "Well, why am I, why am I not doing that?" I, I don't want to just name names out there because I think that sometimes becomes 
odd and whatever, but I'm, I'm going to anyway this morning because I just don't care, all right? That's the apostle in me, right? But Gail Morris, you're a pastor. You have pastoral giftings coming out your ears, buddy. You just do. Does that mean he has a position? No, but he cares for people. He notices when they're not here. He makes phone calls. He goes to the hospital and visits people, and I don't tell him to do that. You You know what happens sometimes in churches? We get so rigid in all of this that it has to all be organized and go through the pastor in such a way, and I love knowing what's going on. Don't get me wrong. But when Gail goes and visits someone, he calls me and say, hey, I just went up and visited so-and-so. They're doing well. Do you know how much that blesses me to know that there's other people with pastoral giftings in the church helping people, comforting them, loving them, visiting them, encouraging them, building them up? He's being used in his gifts. That's awesome. That's what we all should be striving to do, being used in those gifts. Amen? Say, well, you're the pastor. We pay you to do that. I'm telling you what, you may not know this, but I work more than one week, one day a week. This office is busy all the time. Throw in a full-time restaurant and it's even busier. It's a busy, busy place. I was looking at our planning center and how many people call this their church, and it's well over 2,000. In fact, it's over 2,500. People call this their church. Well, there's not 25 people here today. No, you're right, there's not. But some people only come once a year. Some people come twice a year. Some people think they're really regular and they only come once every three months. I mean, they need some spiritual metamucil if they think that's regular. I don't know what kind of picture that paints, but... Strike that from being online. Oh, it's too late. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? In the church, in America especially, we take these gifts, we compartmentalize them, then we pay somebody to do them, and then we kick back and we can be in charge of our own schedule, and we shed the responsibility that we have because God gave us a gift to do what we're called to do as people in the church. I said a couple weeks ago, every member, every person that attends this church is a minister. That means servant. You're a servant. And so you need to serve within these gifts that you've been given. Pastors should be involved. I mean, this is their gifting. Healing the wounded and sick sheep or people, as as well as finding or rescuing lost or those who are trapped. I I do quite a bit of counseling. That's healing hurts. But you know what? I do probably more rescuing. I'm more on that end. That's okay. I'm not ashamed of that. That's just who God made me to be. And then, then you, have, you have people like, like Devin down here who can listen to people for hours on end. That's amazing to me, Devin, that you can do that through the program Ultimate Journey and help people heal those wounds from the past. Those are giftings, guys. Those are giftings. Those are pastoral giftings. Pastors need to love the people. I love every one of you. I don't like y'all, but I love you. Oh, that hurts. No, I like most of you. It's all right. Some of you don't like me, and that's okay as long as you love me. I don't know if I, if I, if I do either one of those, Pastor Barry. 
We share our life together. I, I, love, I love this life group, Summer Edition. I think it's powerful to get together and just hang out. When two Christians hang out, guess what happens? They start talking about God, even if it's just supper or whatever. Brian and Jamie, was that at your house or was that at Darwin and... That was at Darwin and Melissa's house. Okay. So you went over to your kid's house to hang out, and then they brought some other people in. How fun was that? Ben Carpenter, you were inviting all sorts of people. People had never even been to your house. Did you let them go swimming in your pool? You did. He has a big sign on there, welcome to our ool. Notice there's no, no, never mind, I won't go there. Yeah, do not pee in the pool. I thought it said welcome to our ool. Notice there's no pee in it, let's keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but we have, we have this ability in a church to be family, to get together, to love one another, to spend time with each other. It's so important, church. And I, we always go back to that thing that says, uh, you know, let, let's, let's have, let's have a, a congregation that does more than on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, walks by each other and says, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. See you next week, same time? Yeah. How are you doing? Good. The next week, you know. How are you doing? Good. Great, awesome. Next week. How are you doing? Good. That goes on for 30 years and you never get to know anybody. Whose fault is that? It's the pastor's fault, right? The position of pastor. He ought to be orchestrating get-togethers. Do it, on, do, it on, do it yourself, right? Get together. I don't know who you love and like. Get together with people you love. Get together with people you like. Get together with people you don't like because you love them. You might just realize you like them. As pastoral giftings go, these people are to lead by example in moral purity and sound biblical teaching. They are the directors, if you will, in a sense, of the spiritual life of a local body of believers. And just like apostles and prophets and evangelists, the purpose of the ministry leadership gift of pastors is to equip and build up the church. That's their purpose. I've served on a staff, as a staff pastor, for three very different lead pastors. And when I think about their pastoral giftings, and not just their pastoral position, it's amazing to me how God used each of them very differently. The first guy I ever uh, was a staff pastor under was Pastor Larry Metz, and he's passed, all, the, all those pastors have actually passed away and are with the Lord today, um, which means I shouldn't work for anybody because we're probably, never mind. Anyway, um, Pastor Metz had a real, he was a pastor, he had a pastor's heart, but he was very, very much used in the prophetic gift. When he preached, it was prophetic. When he prayed for people, it was prophetic. He had, he had more of that, probably, than pastoral. And I've served with people, you know, the last one I served with, very, very apostolic in his anointing and in his gifting. Even though he was a pastor and had pastoral gifting, he was an apostle. And so there, there's different kinds of pastors, positional pastors. When you think about their giftings, it's just interesting, interesting to me. I also know many people within the church that are obviously not positional pastors, but they have pastoral giftings. Again, just oozing out of them. There's some of you, you've never allowed yourself to be used as a pastor, as a lover of the people. And you can probably think of some of those yourself. 
someone who's dedicated to the church. They truly care for sick and hurting. They're all about communicating the word of God. Even when they're not in front of an audience, the word of God just comes out of them. They are spiritual directors or, or leaders. They guide people. Both men and women can have these gifts. And there are plenty of you in this church who have the leadership ministry gift of pastor. Can I just say something? Don't run from the gift. Let God use you in it. You don't need a full-time position to be pastoral in someone's life. You don't even need to be an elder or an overseer. In a very real sense, when we say, you may be the only Jesus someone will ever see, it's as if we're saying that you may be the only example of the good shepherd that someone will ever tangibly see. Shepherd is just another way of saying pastor when it comes to giftedness. So those, let those pastoral gifts, those shepherding gifts, come forth and lovingly care for those that need more of God in their lives. How many can do that? You know you have some of that? Would you just raise your hand? I have some of that. I, I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. I always think it's interesting when people say that pastors have to live in a glass house, you know? Everyone's watching them and can see if, can see if they sin or not. In fact, they're just waiting for them to make a mistake most of the time. So pastors have to walk in this pressure cooker of moral purity if they want to keep their position. I get that. But here's what I don't get. Why doesn't every Christian see themselves living in a glass house with everybody watching? We're all ministers, as I've said. And it's not actually a pressure cooker at all when you live your life with a passion to honor and please God. Why would I live to please man? Live to please God and you don't have to worry about pleasing man or living up to their standards. That's what Christians do. You're just being a Christian by doing that. It's time that we all live pure before the Lord and stop casting our responsibility to live morally on those in leadership only. It's a very easy way out. It's a wimpy Christian who refuses to step out in their own ministry leadership gift because they don't want the accountability that comes with stepping out. Well, I don't want to put myself in a pastoral position as far as, or a as a, even in giftings in someone's life. I don't want to be a pastor to them. I don't want to, that puts myself out there, right? What if I'm not perfect? No, wake up, you're not. None of us are. Fivefold ministry gift. Teachers, put that analogy back up there. Teachers. That little picture. Teacher, the only one that fits in your ear, right? Teachers. The word teacher in Ephesians 4.11 is taken from the original Greek word, didaskalos. Everybody say didaskalos. Didaskalos. It's a Greek word. It means teacher. It refers to those who have a special God-given gift to clarify, explain, and communicate God's word. They have a special task to guard by the Holy Spirit's help the message of truth that has been given and entrusted to them. Look at the words that Paul wrote his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 14. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That's why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I, have been, what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. He's talking to Timothy there. 
Hold on to the teaching I gave you, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth. Guard this truth that has been entrusted to you. And notice it's more than merely promoting the truth. There's this element within a teacher, within that gifting of preserving truth as you communicate it. And that truth will produce holiness in God's people. Teachers have a way of just holding to the truth, guarding it, preserving it, and communicating in a way that we hear it so well. I love this gift. And if you've ever seen somebody as just a magnificent teacher, it's, it's, it's crazy how they can talk for an hour and they never waste a word. I, I remember that one of the first times I ever saw somebody really, really, really teach well, and it was a guy named Ed Cole. And he's probably somewhat just, he, he really spoke to men a lot. He spoke to marriages a lot. He's passed away since. But I saw him in person one time speaking, and he was nationally known and wrote a lot of books and all this. Does anyone know who Ed Cole was? Anyone remember that? Some of you, some of you do. Well, anyway, I was sitting there, and I started taking notes. You know, you want to take notes when there's a good speaker. I could not write fast enough. So I just put my pen down. I'm like, I just have to listen. Because everything he said was noteworthy. Everything he said was so good and tied into what he was saying. He never missed a word. He never wasted any words. Have you ever heard anybody speak like that? It's amazing. It's amazing to hear them. They have this way. Sound biblical teaching from those who are used in this ministry leadership gift will lead people into uncompromising holiness lived out as described and shown in God's word. When churches ignore or fail to give believers access to the instruction of teachers who remain faithful to God's word, eventually believers will lose their concern for the truth and the authority of the Bible. I want you to know something. I want you, if you have these teaching gifts to understand that we need you in this church. And to step out, is, it, it, it can be scary. And you know what? There's, there's some rules that we have for teachers. We don't want teachers to, to come in and, and, and teach the word of God on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night, but in, in, in the bar wasted on Friday night, Right? There's some accountability that goes along with it. And the further you go up in leadership within a church, the more accountability there is, the higher the standard. I get that, but we should all have high standards as Christians. I just got done saying that. It's, just, it's, it's funny how we have to do that, though, because we don't all have high standards. Teachers are so needed, but they're hard to find because a teacher has to be dedicated in their private time of diving into the word and digging out the gold and then putting it together in such a way that it can be understood and heard, that it would change a life. There's people who have gifts of teaching. You're teachers by, within the schools and, and that's what you do for a living. That's great, that's a position you bet. And maybe you, I, I think, Sandy, you've been a principal before. You probably know some teachers who didn't have the gift of teaching. And you know some that really did have the gift. So there's both. And that, that's kind of within the church, too. There's that same kind of a, a scenario that happens. But man, when you, when you sit under a good teacher, it's incredible. And we have some. Sandy's one of them in this church. Uh, Jory Hunderdoss is another one. When he starts talking about connecting the dots, he just gets so passionate, right? Starts talking about biblical prophecy or the, 
If you ever go ask them, what do you, th- what do you think is significant about um, the Jewish feasts in the Bible? Just ask them that question. See, you won't be able to, you, you'll, you'll be talking for a long time. I'll just tell you that right now. He's passionate about that. Teaching shouldn't just come from this pulpit, right? It shouldn't. It should be on Wednesday nights. It should be in life groups as, as leaders. And there's teachers in here who you just, uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to step out there and be put in a position on a pedestal as a teacher. And you know what else? Teaching needs to be developed. You don't start out as super teacher overnight. You have those gifts, and then you step out in faith, and God gives you a little more, and you step out in faith some more, and God gives you a little more, and, and, and it, he just begins to put it together. Do you know what my most feared and my most hated class, I just despised it with all that was within me in high school? Speech. Getting up in front of people without a piano or a microphone to sing, I was a nervous wreck. I still am. And I don't say that I'm an amazing teacher by any means. I preach, I teach, I treach, right? I treach, I do a little bit of both. But there are teachers in here who could teach, I mean, whirlwinds around the man who has the position of pastor of this church. And that's okay. That's a good thing. I'm not intimidated by that. I want them to step up to the plate and teach. We need you. We absolutely need you. Man, hats off to you, Matt and Bree. Stepping into something, wow, teaching. And we're, we're helping you slow, right? We'll give you a video and you can discuss it. Maybe it starts out as, as facilitating conversation, but then it grows into putting stuff together. I'm gonna call you out right now. Can I just do this? I'm gonna call you out, Tiffany. You're a teacher. I've heard you communicate, and it's incredible. We gotta get you teaching, girl. I just did that publicly, didn't I? Everybody in the body needs to be in their place. It's so important. When churches ignore or fail to give believers access to good teaching, or they don't open the door for teachers to do their thing, it's when false teaching and incorrect interpretations of the Bible can cause unhealthy desires for religious experiences and human philosophies rather than God's unadulterated truth. We've all heard great speakers, great teachers teach. And you know, they don't really feed you so you're fed. Have you noticed that about really good teachers? They don't feed you so you're fed. They feed you so you become hungry enough to feed yourself. That's a sign of a really good teacher. Makes you hungry. These gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, those gifts are going to be given to the church until, and this is Ephesians 4, 13 through 16, until we call, all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children when we come to the full unity. In other words, you're an immature child if you don't have unity. I don't want to be an infantile church. I don't want to be a church full of infants that are immature. Do you? That's unity. Unity is a, is a mark of, of maturity. 
We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So apostles need prophets, and prophets need apostles, and prophets need teachers, and teachers need pastors, and pastors need apostles, and pastors need teachers, and pastors need, need evangelists, and evangelists need, need teachers, and evangelists need prophets, and prophets need, they all need each other. They all need each other. There's not one more important than the other. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And it's so important to the unity of the body of Christ. These are the leadership ministry gifts, these five, and they are the very framework of how things are supposed to get done within the church, big C and little c. And you know what I mean by that, right? The big overall church, all of Christianity, and this local body, the little C church. They're not positions as much as they are giftings. And all members of the body of Christ have levels of these gifts within them. For some of you, it's like gold that hasn't been discovered yet within you. And for others, it's like gold that's been discovered, but still needs to be a little refined. Pure gold. We spend a good deal of time on these ministry leadership gifts. I've stood up here for the past several weeks and fed you a lot of information, and it's been a little hard to apply the message each week to you personally. Even though a number of you have been doing that on your own, I've had people coming up to me saying, I think I'm, I've got those gifts. What should I do with them? These are great conversations to have, church. This morning, I really want to give you the why this is important. Unity and hear me, church, unity will never, ever happen if these gifts are not given room to function. And my hope is that you not only begin to recognize these special gifts within the people of this local body, but of this church, but that you would begin to recognize them in yourself, the gifts in yourself. Then make the decision to step out in faith and allow yourself to be used in your giftedness. I told you before that I, I, I tested pretty evenly in all of these gifts, that means some of you, again, have more teacher gifts within you or more pastoral gifts within you than I do. Some of you are soul-winning machines and you have this special anointing to lead people to Christ. You have evangelistic giftings. Some of you are prophetic and you really hear from God about people, about situations. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And there are others that are apostolic in their giftings. They're strong leaders and they have their, that pioneer-type spirit about them. They are tough enough to blaze spiritual trails and plant ministries where there was none before. And the church, I'm talking again, big C as well as the local body of believers, small C church, it needs you. It needs you. The church isn't a building with, with a professional preacher who preaches and organizes social events. The church is a people who have given themselves over to the work of building his kingdom until he comes again. The church should be unified, working and flowing in all of these gifts. And that takes everyone doing their part and doing their part within their giftedness. Understand, everyone has gifts. Some haven't been recognized yet. Some haven't been developed yet. Some of those leadership ministry gifts are given to some in a measure that, that allows them to assist in leading. Some have their gifts in a measure that moves them into positions or even full-time vocational ministry and everything in between. But I think Jesus said it best 
when he was telling the parable of the wedding banquet, he said in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, for many are called, but few are chosen. See, I believe there are many who aren't chosen. They're called, they're just not chosen because they refuse to step out in faith or they feel too inadequate or insecure about their abilities. It's always easier to let someone else do the work. But it's like that old saying, you can't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. The gospel isn't a game. It's our business. It's our responsibility. It's our mandate from Christ himself, and it takes every single one of us doing our part. This church is wonderful in reference to serving and being willing to serve. And so I'm not beating the sheep this morning saying, get with it and get involved. I'm not doing that. I just want to encourage you today that if you have some of these gifts and they're laying dormant within you and you've let them lay dormant because you didn't think it was your place or because you felt insecure or you felt like you didn't know enough or you felt like it wasn't your place, stop it because the church needs you. I'm telling you, we need you and you need to be released in those gifts to do what God has called you to do. Absolutely essential. It creates unity. We can celebrate one another's gifts that way. And how many have ever sat under a Leslie Scavo teaching? I mean, come on. She's good, right? She can teach. I could go through every one of the gifts and name somebody. Tony, you're a board member, but you're a little apostolic. Just this, got a little bit of that in him. I said before, Darwin, you're, you're kind of prophetic. I don't know if he's sitting back there. He usually sits over there. Oh. <laughs> but that's like the exact opposite of where you usually sit. Darwin, you got some prophetic gifts. It's awesome. Sense of the Holy Spirit. And when you're not... Your wife is right there with you, kicking you, saying, that wasn't God, that was you. You know, because she's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I love that. Man, you know how exciting life is when you live your life for the kingdom and not just for yourself? When you walk in your giftings and you're, 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 you let God just use you wherever you go? It's an adventure every single day. So I'm going to pray this morning, and I'm done talking about the five-fold ministry leadership gifts. We, we got through it. We're going to plow further into Ephesians and into unity. We're going to get into unity of the home and unity in our families, and we're going to get into all of Ephesians. That's, that, that's just what we're doing. But today, I'm going to ask the question, I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes. Do you have ministry leadership gifts within you that haven't been or aren't being used right now? And that could be a confession that you didn't do something you should have. Could be a confession that maybe someone cut you off. Maybe inadvertently even cut those gifts off in you. Maybe they didn't mean to. Maybe they didn't even know they did it. But for whatever reason, you're not being used in those gifts that you know you have. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I got gifts, and I know I need to be using them.
There's hands going up all over the place. Ministry leadership gifts. This isn't a ploy to get everybody to volunteer. It's not what I'm talking about. If you have pastoral giftings, then use those. If you're a teacher, use those gifts. If you're an apostle, use those gifts. And if you don't know how to use them, come talk to me because part of my position, not just gifting, but position, is to help you find how to use those gifts, to equip, to build you up. Father God, I think there's those within this congregation, I know there are, they just raised their hands, that need to step out in a, in a bigger way in their ministry giftedness. Whatever that giftedness may be, without any fanfare, and without any music or emotional tug on anybody, I want to ask if, if, if that's you this morning. If you raise your hand or even if you didn't and you just feel like, yeah, I need, to get you, I need to be used of God like I'm supposed to be used and I'm just sitting here not doing it. Maybe one of these messages got to you, depending on which one it was. But would you stand to your feet this morning? Say, yeah, that's me. I'm ready. I'm ready to step out and start being used like never before in the gifts that God has given me. Time. Time. Maybe life happened and it sent you down a detour and you shut off the, the, those gifts within you because life got hard. I don't know the reason. God is calling you to do your, to step into it, to step into those gifts and be used. Church, let's, let's lift our hands and just towards all those that are standing and would, would you just pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you for those that have stood, those that have said, yeah, I need to take that step. I need to be used, whatever that means, God. However you want to use me. God, I thank you for their willing hearts. And Lord, I pray right now that this would be a marked day, that you are calling people to the ministry today. Maybe full-time, maybe bivocational, maybe just lay ministry. But you're calling them into something new, something more. Father, we just give you praise that you have given these gifts to your church, to your people, for the purpose of building us up and equipping us to the point of maturity and unity. Lord, I'm thankful that you haven't compartmentalized them so much that they overlap, that they're, they're, they're just a framework, and, and God, we, we can flow and, and move around within that framework and not feel so rigidly defined that, that it shuts doors. But God, you just do it in a way that opens doors to all of us, no matter who we are. Lord, I pray that you would solidify 
and those that are standing, solidify in their hearts, God. Begin to direct them to take the next steps that you want them to take. And God, we are just excited about what you're doing in this body. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.